are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037thebuzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Today's podcast is brought to you by BuiltGo, which we all hit that wall every single week. Maybe some of you are hitting it right now, currently, after a long week of work, or some of you, probably more often, are hitting that wall around Wednesday and Thursday where, man, you just can't seem to get through the week and you're suffering, you're tired, the weather's getting cold and rainy. You just want to go home and go to bed, but you got to have work. You got to have the work to do. And that's what Built Go is all about. It helps you break through that wall, whether it's a mental or physical wall, break it with Go every single day. It's the best workout gel on the market. It's like five-hour energy, but without the same crash feeling. It's natural, so it's better for your body as well. Plus, you have three delicious flavors of peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate milk. And the best thing about it is if you go to visit and if you go to buildgo.com and visit that website and use promo code LOCKED, you'll get 20% off your next order. It doesn't matter how many you order. It doesn't matter in what size or frequency or whatever. As long as you do it on one order and use that promo code LOCKED, you'll get 20% off your next order. So go check it out. Break through that wall with BuiltGo by going to buildgo.com. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off your next order. Let's go right into a very special interview that we have with Matt Stinchcomb of the SEC Network, who's going to be on the call for the Arkansas-Texas A&M game on Saturday. Should be a great one, and always good to hear from uh, the guys that are on the SEC Network to get their thoughts and opinions on everything that's going on, especially with these particular games and these big ones for Arkansas and Texas A&M. So without further ado, let's go ahead and go to the phone lines and welcome in Matt Stinchcomb of the SEC Network. Matt, appreciate you joining us, man. How you doing? Doing good, man. Fired up to see this matchup. Yeah, we know we are as well, and let's just start right there with the matchup itself. Arkansas has kind of been the darling of the SEC, it seems like. Everyone has been really feeling good about him, talking him up, rooting for Sam Pittman, but these Aggies uh, have also been really playing well, getting that nice victory against Florida, and both of them coming off bye week. So let's just start with the basics of what do you make of this matchup? What do you think is uh, is going to be favorable for one of these teams? How do you think it all goes down down there in College Station? Yeah, you know, I think depending on how LSU continues to play, this is the battle for the second-best team in the SEC West. I think Alabama's, you know, far and away the class of the division and probably the conference, if not all the college football. But um, you're talking about a, a team that, in Arkansas, that at the very least could have a, another victory to its credit, um, given what happened on the Plains versus Auburn. Um, probably should have left that one with a victory and a team that's playing much, much better and believes in itself more than anything else, which is a fun thing to watch, taking on a team that could you know, backdoor its way into the college football playoff conversation. It's incredibly uh, realistic to think that if A&M is able to win out the rest of their football games, that they could find themselves uh, in the playoff conversation, if not among the top four at the end of the season. So uh, a lot to look for and take from this contest on Saturday and it'll be a question of I think as Arkansas continue to play as well as they have on defense they've done a fantastic job of adjusting to different styles of offenses um, they're probably going to be forced to play uh, different coverage wise uh, versus an A&M football team that wants to run the football and wants to get physical and wants to add big bodies to the box versus spreading uh, the football field out, much like um, you know what Arkansas saw, where they kind of set the mold 
with uh, how to defend Mississippi State, and he carried that over the next couple of weeks. Uh, this is a different proposition than A&M, a little bit more similar, really, to the way the University of Georgia wants to play offense, a little bit more downhill, a little bit bigger personnel groupings. Which team has more to gain here? You mentioned how A&M could possibly position themselves for the college football playoff, but you look at a team like Arkansas, who's in the first year with his coaching staff, continuing to build confidence, and then you even mentioned that they could possibly position themselves for second in the West if they stay along the same line and continue to succeed. So who has more to gain here? I mean, A&M's got a ton more to gain, in my view, because they're sitting there going, look, it's right there in front of us, guys. If we continue to, to win football games and string them together the way that we potentially could and you look at the balance of their schedule, it, it's feasible. It's a borderline likely um, that A&M could win out. Uh, so they got a, a ton more to gain. You lose to Arkansas, and that's out the window. It's just not going to happen. There's no way I, I can see an SEC team I shouldn't say no way. There's always mm-hmm. a couple of ways, but there's not a likely way that we see two SEC teams getting in the college football playoff um, if, in fact, the Aggies drop a game to Arkansas. So they've got a ton more to gain to continue winning football games. So looking at this Arkansas team, maybe you can help us out, Matt. We're still trying to figure it out here in Arkansas. Just how in the world this is happening with the Razorbacks after back-to-back two and ten years uh, essentially, the majority of the same players. I know they added Felipe Franks, but you know what Sam Pittman's doing in year one, it's impressing everybody, and everyone's trying to figure out how he's doing it. In your mind, what is it? Is it simply coaching, or is there more to it? How is this turnaround happening for Arkansas right now? Well, I mean, I think a concrete way to address it would be that you've got stability at the quarterback position, and that's something that Arkansas didn't have the previous two seasons at all. Um, it was a revolving door, a constant change, and it doesn't even necessarily have to get great quarterback play, but that's the most important position on the field. He's the guy with the ball, and when that changes you know, series to series or game to game, that is unsettling, to say the least, for the balance of your roster. Um, so that's something I think that concrete we can point to. The other piece of it, though, is that you know, you've got a team that actually has some belief in what it is that they're trying to get accomplished. Defensively, Barry Odom will say, and he says it over and over and over again, I just try to keep it simple so my players can play fast. And it looks that way on the field of play, where they feel certain as to what they're trying to get accomplished defensively, and it's giving them a chance to actually go out there and make some plays. But let's also not take away and ignore that this is, somewhat of an abnormal year. And when you look at the teams that Arkansas has played so far, you beat Mississippi State, you beat Ole Miss, you should have beaten Auburn. Auburn right now, at least in the first half of the season, people are justifying or validating their seasons based on their ability to beat the Auburn Tigers. They're not a very good football team right now. Um, And maybe Mississippi State isn't a very good football team this year. They were validated by the opening day win over LSU. My point is is that you look at Tennessee a year ago, they won, what, the last six or seven of the season. They strung out and had the longest winning streak outside of the Air Force Academy in the country. And you have to take a look at the teams that they were beating. So that's partly a function of it as well. But the way Arkansas has looked the previous two seasons, I don't care who they were lining up across from, 
And we saw it last year, Western Kentucky. It didn't matter. There was a real chance that they could drop that game. That's not happening anymore. And I think it's largely because this roster has been afforded an opportunity to start believing in itself. And that coaching staff has got a real clear vision of what they want to get accomplished, and they've done a fantastic job of instilling that in the guys on that football team right now. At SEC Network, you guys did your midseason awards, and when it came to Coach of the Year, Sam Pittman, Jimbo Fisher were the two guys that were mentioned. You chose Jimbo Fisher. What makes him Coach of the Year so far to you? Well, I wonder why I would have done that. I mean, I'm covering the game this Saturday. It's it's almost as if I'd want it to be an even bigger game with the two top coaches in the SEC. I mean, I, I would have gone Sam Pittman, but Roman Harper got his email in first. So uh, I was only left with a, a select number of, of opportunities to, to pick another coach. You know, Jimbo Fisher... A lot of people, you know, they said, and I said this on the show, you know, the guy gets drugged through the, the gutter because of his salary and all this other. There's a couple of coaches in this conference that are getting paid more than him that haven't that are equally as accomplished, if not uh, less so. Um, but he lost to Alabama. Otherwise, he's got a team that was plagued by opt-outs at key positions and key spots, and he's got them in a, in a place where they can uh, not only contend for the second place in the West Division, but he's also got them a spot where you know, they might backdoor their way into the national title contention. So um, I'd say that's pretty good in my view. Um, I thought he's done a really good job not only of finding ways to engineer a passing offense where not only due to injury to a guy like a Courtney Davis coming into the season, but an opt-out in Jamon Osmond, you've got other guys emerging. Now they've obviously lost the Chapman kid to an ACL, so it'll be interesting to see how they're able to continue to pivot at the wide receiver spot. Um, but I think he's done a pretty good job. Otherwise, you got to pick a, a Nick Saban, which you could easily say, uh, not only are they undefeated, but the guy beat COVID for crying out loud. He did it in record time. So um, there's a lot of good coaches in this conference. Uh, you could You could try to make a case for a couple of others. But it was I'd be lying if I didn't say it was a little self-serving for me to want to have both coaches in the game that I was covering on Saturday to be considered the top two coaches in the conference so far. We'll continue on our discussion with Matt Stinchcomb of the SEC Network here in just a second. But, folks, do you ever feel like you're always on, like when you need just a moment to chill, though, like in these times when you're always on the go and maybe you just need time to relax? We all hit that point in time, too especially with school and Halloween and making costumes and all that fun stuff. It's always go, go, go. But when you need to chill, there's only one thing that can really satisfy you in the way that you want to chill and hit that reset button, and that's the drink, the beverage that's made to chill Coors Light. You know, football is great. You got basketball that's just around the corner for Razorback fans. You still have the NFL going on. So it doesn't matter what sport or what team you're watching – there are still so many things and so many sports and teams to watch. So let this be the excuse. Drink a beer and drink the beer that's made to chill, which is Coors Light. And that's what I always reach for, and that's the one I always choose when I need to just sit back and relax and enjoy football. So when you need to hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 
Most people wouldn't argue with you, Matt. And and speaking of this matchup, I wanted to bring up the quarterbacks. As you mentioned Felipe Franks, and you also mentioned Kev, Kellen Mond. And both are senior quarterbacks and uh, have different situations that they're in. But if you look at their stats so far this year, they're pretty comparable as far yeah. as touchdown passes and everything. So just as far as the quarterback matchup goes, is there one that you lean towards the other, or just what do you make of this matchup in general? Well, I, you know, you lean towards Mond only because uh, a couple of things. One, it's familiarity with the system that he's been in now for, what, three seasons, a roster that he's very familiar with, um, albeit with some new faces, you know, because of uh, the opt-outs, uh, guys are heading on to the NFL and otherwise. Um, but it's familiar confines, and Felipe Franks is in a new place. He's done really well. Um, both those guys, uh, to me, have somewhat similar skill set. I think Kalamon's the better runner of the two, although Felipe Franks is capable. Um, I do think a big difference is is that um, Mond historically has started faster in games. And so far this year, that's something that has plagued Arkansas offensively, not just Felipe Franks, is this inability to get cranked up fast, to start the game quickly. You think back to the Auburn game, and it took a full quarter before the Arkansas offense really started going. And once it did, it was able to move the, the football and score points. Um, but they just haven't – this is an offense that hasn't opened the game with a first down. It's been three and out every single game. Uh, and it's an offense that covets the ability to get to that first first down as a gateway to get into their rhythm or tempo offense. And once they do, they're very effective. Um, that's something that Felipe Franks has to find a way – to get going quicker, even with some of the high-percentage plays that they're calling for him where they just haven't been able to execute. He can't catch his own passes. I'm not saying that. But he's got to find a way of Felipe Franks to get going a little bit quicker, given the fact that he's opposite a pretty accomplished quarterback in Kellen Mond. As far as the weapons that those quarterbacks are going to be surrounded with and have a chance to get the ball to, who has the advantage there? That's tough, man, because you know with Traylon Burks coming back for Arkansas, um, he's a difference, ma- a huge difference maker. I think it'd be a, a gross understatement, um, I think, to not lend the weight that it deserves when number 16 is on the field for Arkansas. And it was evidence the other day, uh, well, now it's a game removed, right, but versus Ole Miss, um, the guy can do it all. And they oftentimes ask him to do quite a bit in, in a various ways. But then you look at like an A&M and Jalen Weidermeyer at tight end. They do a lot with him. Number 85 is a good player. He can play well in space. He's not as good as like a Kyle Pitts for Florida, but he's pretty darn good. He's among the better tight ends in the conference. Isaiah Spiller is having a great year. This is a great rushing offense for A&M. Far more consistent than what we've seen out of Arkansas, although they're starting to kind of round into form. If Rakeem Boyd was playing the way that we're used to seeing Rakeem Boyd play, um, then you could probably say at the skill position that it's a wash. Um, but right now, I think that you give the edge uh, to A&M because of the established run game, the way that they're playing along their offensive front. They don't give up negative yardage plays, and they do have some weapons out wide uh, as well as a good runner at quarterback. But I don't think it's near the gap that you otherwise would anticipate, anticipate it being. You know, I think that's also been something Arkansas fans have struggled understanding is Rakeem Boyd and how uh, I know that he's dealt with injuries, but they just haven't really been able to get the rushing attack going. And they played Ole Miss just a couple weeks ago where they're one of the worst defenses in the country that gives up 300 yards a game rushing. 
and they couldn't really find any sort of effective way there. Just from what you've seen, why hasn't Arkansas's rushing attack been able to get going, especially when everyone thought that was going to be their strength on this offense this year? Yeah, um, you know, I think part of it is Boyd, right? He hasn't been healthy, uh, at least consistently healthy. Um, and there have been some some issues up front, you know, some misassignments um, where you just can't afford to have it. You know, it's, it's an offensive line room. We talk about it all the time. One dies, we all die. It doesn't matter if four of us get it right. If one of us gets it wrong, it, does, it negates just about everything. Um, and these defenses in this conference, and especially the one that Arkansas faced on Saturday, you know, second only to Georgia among the teams that they faced so far this year, uh, and it's probably not uh, too far of a distance second to Georgia. This is a really good front seven. It's not going to be easy to run the football versus these guys. Um, they do a great job adding to the box. They're active along their defensive front. Um, you know, getting Ty Clary back, I think, has helped Arkansas some. Um, but it's hurt them, I think, coming into the season more than anything else because uh, they probably didn't have their best five available working together uh, throughout the preseason and even in the early games of this season. Um, and so the hope would always be is that if they can get some consistency there uh, with the Cleary kid in there um, at the guard position, I do think that that helps. That will help them. Uh, but the other big piece of it, too, is you got to get Rakeem Boyd getting downhill again. Uh, and so far... You know, since he's been nicked up, he hasn't quite been the same runner. He's not a super physical runner anyway. He's more of a guy that wants to get out in space and can make people miss, and he's got good speed. Um, but so far, uh, Traylon Smith's been the better of the two as far as running between the tackles, um, and it does feel as if uh, the downhill runs have been better for Arkansas. They just can't pop as much because I don't know if 22 has that um, break breakaway type speed. He can get the yards that you need. He's been a really good runner for him so far this season. Um, but Boyd's got that other gear. They just haven't been able to get him out of the ditch. So which defense do you favor in this matchup then? Because, as you mentioned, AM's defense is top in the conference, and they have a good front seven. I think Arkansas has a better defense in the secondary. So when you look at the defense and how they match up against these offenses, who do you favor there? It's really tough because uh, I think you got – two of the best defensive coordinators in the conference. Um, you know, I've got a ton of respect for Barry Odom, uh, and same could be true for Mike Elko uh, at Texas A&M, and they've been shorthanded. Arkansas has as well. You know, they're hoping to get a healthy bumper pool back. Um, it's said that Grant Morgan uh, has looked as good as he's looked. He had he had an unbelievable game versus Ole Miss. I mean, just uh, one of better-looking stat lines you could ever put together as a defender with one arm effectively with that elbow injury. He seems to be doing better. Um, that's really difficult. But I, I will say this. I think because of the way the A&M offense has been able to play, the fact that they've been able to run the ball with greater consistency, um, then I would give the advantage to A&M's defense. And it's more a function of Arkansas and the way they start games on offense and the way it takes a while for them to get their footing and kind of spool up. Um, I think that they're less of a threat early in games uh, than A&M potentially can be and likely will be on Saturday. So I'd probably give the edge to the Aggies. Well, Matt, uh, I know that uh, you got a lot going on, so I wanted to get you out on this. Uh, you know, it's funny because we were talking about A&M, and Arkansas has only been down to College Station uh, that one time in 2012 in the John L. Smith year because every other year they've played down in Arlington. 
So I've never experienced it down in College Station, and a lot of people feel like the Aggies and the traditions and stuff is a little odd. I know that you have some familiarity, at least with A&M and College Station. What's it like down there, and what do you make of uh, the traditions and what some people compare to being almost like a cult-like type of football program? Oh, it's, listen, it's a great football environment, but it's kooky, man. It, it really <laughs> is. A, it's different now. I mean, they're gonna, they've got stuff going on in that stadium, and at sometimes the points you're just kind of like the game is just incidental. These people have gathered. They're in a, a large venue, and it just so happens the football game's going on because they've got chants and, and cheers, and they're swaying back and forth, and um, it's just a constant um, series of activities that involve the fan base, and uh, it's one of the better and probably one of the more unique game day environment that I've ever witnessed. Uh, we never played there. They weren't in the conference when I was in the comp- when I was playing the SEC. Um, but uh, having witnessed it a couple of times, it is um, it's one unlike any other. And I will say they're into it. The end of the game, they impact games. They impacted Florida's game or the game that Florida had there. Uh, there's a very real chance that they can have an impact on this one as well, especially. Um, on those big third downs um, that we know can be pivotal plays in games, that 12th man thing, that's a real deal down there. Well, Matt, I think that might be the best way to put it, is they're very unique. There's no doubt about it. But it should be a great matchup. The game between these two teams always is a great matchup, and we appreciate you hopping on with us. Good luck and safe travels down there to the College Station, and hopefully we're able to catch up with you later down the road, all right? Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, appreciate everybody listening into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you then. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 